1: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
2: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series on the spirit-filled life with a focus on living a life of spirit-filled prayer. You know, prayer has always been central since the early days of the church in the second chapter of Acts, but today in our busy scientific world, have we lost some of the power that prayer provides? Pastor Sean is ready to dive into the Word and explore why prayer is vital and what it means to pray in the Spirit. Grab your Bible with Pastor Sean, it's time for Radio for Real Life. We're
1: continuing our series called The Spirit-Filled Life. Uh, This is one of those things that God's been talking to us about. And I really, I, you know, there's sometimes we teach subjects because they're important, because they're good. There's other times when we just recognize, man, God wants to say something to a, a congregation. And that's where I believe we're at right now. I believe he wants our attention in a unique way. We began by talking about the church. And we talked about kind of some of the struggles the church has been having. And I, I believe our greatest failure as we saw, is the failure to seek and surrender to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. To seek and surrender to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So often we try to do this faith of ours as though it's just some sort of um, religious exercise. Instead of understanding the power of God's presence and what is available to us in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we talked about the challenge of making something so supernatural and powerful relevant in a natural world. And we looked at John chapter 3. Nicodemus came to Jesus and wanted to know about kingdom life and wanted to know about what Jesus was teaching. And he said, "Well, oh, if you want to inherit the kingdom, you must be born again." And you remember Nicodemus, kind of the ultimate literalist. What, are you serious? You mean be go back into like my mother's womb? And Jesus said, "No, no, no, no. You, you have to be born of water, naturally, of course, but you also have to be born of the Spirit." And Nicodemus was like, "Well, how can that be?" How, And Jesus uses this picture. And in the Greek, it's even more pronounced and powerful. Because he says, well, you see the wind. Remember, the word for wind is pneuma. And the word for spirit is pneuma. The word for breath is pneuma. So it's this powerful illustration and wordplay. You see the wind and you know, you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going, but you can certainly experience it. Says that's how it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. There's something at work. There's a powerful presence. The pneuma, the wind. Last week we saw that new life, this new life he has for us, is found in the fruit he exhibits, not the effort you exert. And so many of us have been trained to try to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and try to make it work. And we turn this faith of ours into some sort of set of rules. And okay, I can do it better than the next guy. And we're missing the whole point. The power of our faith, the power of life change is found in the fruit he exhibits, not the effort we exert. We looked at this baptism Jesus described, or John the Baptist actually described, one who would come, who would baptize us in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we saw that the fire was that cleansing, purifying. The life changes the work of the Spirit in us. It's not something we can muster up on our own. That's why so much of what we see in our Christian faith is kind of an odd caricature of what we read about in the Scripture, And I don't think that's what God intended. So now this week, I want to actually kind of get down to some nuts and bolts on how do we walk in the spirit? All right, we've talked about walking in the spirit. We've talked about some, I think, some really significant things related to that. But how do we go about doing it? What is that? What actually do I do? Because if you're serious, anybody who's serious about discipleship at all, and if you're not serious, why are you here? I mean, we're glad to have you and all, but don't you have anything better to do with a Sunday morning? I, the fact that you're here says to me, you're serious about, I, I want some, I want something real. I want to know what God has for me. I, I, I'm not just sitting here burning time. I want the real deal. And so if you do, I just want to say there, the, the natural question is, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to go to that next place. What do you want me to do? And today I want us to look at one of the building blocks of the spirit-filled life. Now, If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. We're going to start in chapter 1. And I really, I want you to follow along. I don't care if it's electronic. I don't care if it's paper. We've got the notes in our app, the River City app, and we're going to put them on the screen. But I'd like you to have your own copy of Scripture so you can actually follow along and kind of go back and look at this as, you know, God would kind of lead you to. We want to look at the example of the very first followers because these folks got filled with the Spirit and they rocked the world. They changed the world, quite literally. And so we want to look at what was it that they did? What changed in them? Acts 1, verse 4 and 5, we read, While staying with them, he, this is Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. So very strong language. He ordered them, don't leave Jerusalem. But wait, note that word, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me for john baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now we know he was talking about what happened what would happen at pentecost but i want us to see what they actually did okay what behavior did they do verse 14 skip down says all these talking about the disciples who heard jesus all these were with one accord with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So there were others along with the disciples who they devoted themselves to prayer. He said, wait, they went and waited and they prayed. Acts chapter two, powerful passage of scripture. This is after Peter's message, after the infilling of the spirit and Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. And it now gives us this picture of the church. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Okay? This passage is beautiful because it's a cause-and-effect passage. First you learn what they did, then you learn what it resulted in. Okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Listen to this. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Let me tell you something. When people start to put their stuff as less important than other people in the community, you know something's going on. You re- something's, there's heart change happening here. Their stuff was not so important. They saw someone who had need. Well, I've got this. I could sell this, or I could give this. You know something was going on in their hearts. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And listen, I love this last descriptive sentence. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Something about what they were experiencing was contagious. It was like there was this this buzz. They were experiencing a sense of awe and wonder. And it's because of what they were devoting themselves to. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, which is the Lord's Supper, and to prayer which is what we read they were doing in Acts 1. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, we're told, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of what? Time of prayer, three in the afternoon. We remember how that resulted. A guy asked them for money. They said, well, we don't have any money, but what we will give you. Remember, the guy was crippled, had been crippled from birth. What I will give you is this. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the guy was healed. Remember, they got in trouble. The religious leaders didn't like that. They were healing in the name of Jesus. So they got arrested. They were questioned. They were released. And then they go back, and the gathering of believers pray again. This is now Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they prayed, there it is again, the place where they were meeting was shaken. That's a powerful prayer meeting. It was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I just want to say, we could go on reading through the New Testament. We could do this all day. Because what we would see is prayer is the central vehicle for the spirit-filled life prayer is how it actually happens prayer is the central vehicle the core behavior to enter into the spirit-filled life so as we ask the question do you want real power do you want what the new testament teaches instead of some sort of pretend kind of go through the motions faith well the answer is prayer i mean really you want the real deal the answer is prayer you want the full manifestation of the Spirit and the power that the Scripture describes. The answer is prayer. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, please. The Spirit-filled life is a life of Spirit-filled prayer. Spirit-filled life is a life of Spirit-filled prayer. I want us to understand that you cannot separate these. Okay? Okay. The way the spirit-filled life happens is a life of spirit-filled prayer because it's relational. Fundamentally, we try to turn our faith into some sort of contract or some type of kind of task that we're going to carry out, and this is the manual. That is not what this is. This is God's word to us. The very essence of our faith is relational, his spirit dwelling with us, and prayer is the communion, the interaction with the spirit. That's what it is. We're talking about relationship with the Creator who dwells in us. You know, I remember when Star Wars came out, I was, you know, high school, early high school or something, when, when the first one came out. And I remember people saw it and I heard Christians start talking about the force. Oh, the force. It's just, it's a Christian film because they're talking about it's like God, the force. This, except the problem is it's not at all like God. It's just like it, except it's not. They said, well, it's like the Spirit. No, the Spirit is not a force. That's the problem. It's not just some cosmic force impersonal force out there the spirit is a person and it is the person of our creator god resonant, dwelling in us that's what the word says that's why prayer is so critical that's why it's the core behavior that's why it's how we actually walk out the spirit-filled life
2: and let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to radio for real life with sean azaro Pastor of River City Community Church in this message called Spirit-Filled Prayer in a series called Spirit-Filled Life as found on our sermon page at reallife.org. If you're looking for a new church home, well, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
1: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life, I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
2: And now back to the message, Spirit-Filled Prayer. This is Radio for Real Life.
1: Spirit-filled life is a life of spirit-filled prayer. Now, I, we again, I told you, we're going to be very honest with one another, okay? So when I talk about prayer, let me tell you what happens for a lot of people in this room. Maybe not in this room, because you guys are the very, you're the good service, the other services, they're slackers. You guys, you guys are awesome. When I talk about prayer, many of you guys kind of glaze over, oh, God, here it goes again. Oh, oh, prayer. Oh, I know it's good, I should pray. But people honestly, when they talk about prayer, their honest heart feelings, it's like, I know I should pray, but it's boring. For those of you in the back, I said, it's boring. And again, I know you guys would never feel that way or say that, but there are those other services and they're, they're not like you guys. Talk. Some people talk about, I try to pray, but I fall asleep when I pray. And I find myself laying before the Lord (laughs) in a puddle of my drool. (laughs) I mean, you know, this is one of those things I, I think we struggle with. And as a pastor, it's like I talk to a lot of people about, you know, their spiritual life and stuff. And let me tell you one of my, the best answers I get, not not best, okay, one of the most common answers I get. I'm going to say 90, 95% of people, when you ask them, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? 90, 95% of people give me some form of this answer. And it's, well, it could be better. Which, let me tell you, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world, So of course it could be better. I'm not Jesus. I know it could be better. All right. Until I am like the Lord, it could be better. Okay. That, that's a waste of words. We know it could be better. I'm really asking, how's your prayer life? You know, compare it to the New Testament. Maybe that's the wrong question. Maybe that question isn't helpful. Maybe it's too general. Maybe I, what I should be asking us, myself included, is your prayer life vibrant? Is it exciting? that's not the word i would have used is it is it electric because of the presence of god is is there something in it that i anticipate i'm excited about it when i pray is the room shaken like they describe here is there a shaking that happens because it's so alive vibrant and electric is my prayer life something that transforms me and shakes me to the very core of who i am and and i want to say if if the answer is no then if we're honest people we got to go okay then what are we doing? Because they, they experienced that. What's going on with us? And I think we're going to hear some good news today. Because I think if your answer is no to, to those questions, I think there's something that the Word is going to teach us today that can actually turn that around, that can change that. I think God wants to show us something. Now, there's a couple passages I want us to look at. First Ephesians chapter 6.18. And this is one of those passages that we kind of blow by sometimes. Because okay, it's at the end of a very colorful, illustrative type of passage on the armor of God. And in the armor of God, we like that passage. It's kind of very, very colorful. It's, it's, you know, put on the full armor of God. And we think this picture of spiritual warfare. And you put on the helmet of salvation. Yes, I like that. The breastplate of righteousness. The shield of faith. The sword of the spirit. And it's a very visual. Then he goes on and he, you need to understand this is part of the passage. But it's like Paul just cuts to the chase because he gets to this and there's something different. But he's continuing the same thought. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Praying at all times in the Spirit. That idea of praying in the Spirit. In in Jude's short little letter, verse 20 and 21 he says, but you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Let me point out a, a few things. Th- these two passages and some others, there's a few keys, I think, to this whole idea of praying in the Spirit that I want us to take a look at. The, the first, we're going to talk about Spirit-filled prayer. It's what I've actually called the message. Spirit-filled prayer is a lifestyle of communion. And, and the phrase I want to look at is that Ephesians 6.18 phrase, praying at all times. Because because of that phrase, we sometimes just blow by that passage. The at all times part. Spiritual prayer is a lifestyle of communion. It's not just an activity, it is a way of living, praying at all times. Another translation says, praying without ceasing. Thessalonians, it says, pray continually. Pray always. Pray without ceasing, and, and right away that kind of loses us because we go, "Well, okay, I can't without ceasing." I mean, how long can I stay on my knees? It's, that this is what we envision, and so because of that, we sometimes dismiss that passage and go, "Well, he's just making some colorful, like, just trying to illustrate a point." Let me just say, I don't think that's the case because he doesn't do that with other things. It, never in the scripture does it say, "And reading the word without ceasing." He never says reading the word without ceasing. He talks about reading the word. The scripture talks about it. It talks about studying to show yourself approved. Reading the word is a really important thing. But it doesn't say read the word without ceasing. And every driver said thank you because that would be very challenging. I'd have to rig my car with some sort of teleprompter thing. It doesn't say feed the poor without ceasing. Did you know that? And you, if you've read the gospel at all, you know how much Jesus cares about us take caring for the poor. But it doesn't say feed the poor, care for the poor without ceasing like it does about prayer. In fact, you remember Jesus, when a woman came and she anointed him with some very expensive kind of perfume, one of the disciples got a little snarky. Well, that could have been sold and given to the poor. And Jesus said, you're always going to have the poor with you. You're not always going to have me. Her act is an act of worship. So as much as Jesus made it obvious he cares about the poor, and as much as we are taught as the Christian church that it is a part of our DNA to take care of the poor, that's what we're supposed to be about, doesn't say at all times without ceasing. It doesn't say read the word at all times without ceasing. It, it doesn't say gather together and be in church at all times without ceasing. Some of you got very relieved when I just said that. <laughs> but the scripture's real clear. They met on the first day of the week. They got together. They worshiped. It says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. But it doesn't say at all times without ceasing. It only says that about prayer. And I want to suggest to you it's because it's dead on serious. At all times. Understand, the Spirit of God doesn't like live in this building. He's here because we're here. It's just a building. He lives in us. And that means he's with us at all times. And that means this is a very literal instruction. Pray at all times. It is a a lifestyle, a communion with the spirit, the pneuma, the breath. It is a constant state of walking in the presence of the Lord. Now understand something. We are supposed to have that daily time of prayer and quiet time, right? Because Jesus talked about it. You know, he talked about the people who got on the street corner and wanted to be seen praying so that they would seem very spiritual, and everyone would go, oh, look how spiritual they are. He said, yeah, no, no, go into your inner room. Go into your closet, some translations say, your quiet place, and get alone with God. And Father who sees in secret will award you openly. Jesus himself, we're told, went away, got alone to pray, went up to quiet, secluded places, and he went and prayed. That's a very important spiritual discipline. But here's the thing. We need to understand something. When we have our quiet time, our place of prayer and we're done praying. Sometimes we act like God stays there with our Bible and our notebook there in our chair. It's like, God, you stay here. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. I'll tell you about it. It's horrible. You, you, be, you stay here. You're too holy for this. i gotta, I got to go. And we, we, he's over there in, in the holy place because that's what God does. He stays right here. And i got to go slug it out and then go tell him about it. I, you know, I leave some details out because he's God and all. It's ridiculous. The idea is the Spirit lives in us, walks with us, is every day present with us. And that is a game changer. Spirit-filled prayer is something that is every single day. It is a lifestyle of ongoing communion. This idea of learning to engage with the Spirit wherever you are. The Spirit-filled life is a life of Spirit-filled prayer. A second thing, and now this is where we really get down into this idea of praying in the Spirit. Spiritful prayer is not just praying to the Spirit, but praying in the Spirit. That's a very interesting distinction. It's not just praying to the Spirit. He says pray in the Spirit. That's a very different idea, isn't it? Pray in the Spirit. I wonder if this is why prayer can sometimes feel boring or uneventful. Have we turned it to a one-sided conversation? We're praying to the Spirit, but we're never praying in the Spirit. And I'm not saying we can't talk to God, we can't talk to the Spirit. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, is there something else? What does it mean to pray in the Spirit versus just praying to the Spirit? I think to understand it one way, you can turn and it, flip it around and think of, okay, well, we, we're Spirit, we, we got Spirit, and then we got flesh. What's praying in the flesh look like? That might... Help shed some light on it. You know, James told us in James chapter 4, beginning of verse 2. He says, you desire and you don't have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. He's talking about the flesh that wants what I want right now. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. In other words, you cut God out of it. You don't ask. He's talking about prayer. But then in verse 3, this is what he says. He says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your passions. Another translation says, to spend it on your, or to consume it on your lusts. You adulterous people. What he means is unfaithful. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 5, Or do you suppose it's to no purpose that the scripture says, He yearns jealously over the spirit he has made to dwell in us? You ask, you don't receive because you ask wrongly. I wonder if praying in the flesh is this idea that it's all about me. Because that's what the flesh is all about. Me first. Me first. Me first. I want. I want. So I turn prayer into an occasion for the flesh. God, I want. God, I need. God, do for me. God, I I want it and I want it now. I claim it. I name it. Whatever. Whatever. I've just turned prayer, instead of a spiritual interaction with the Spirit, I've turned it into a gimme, gimme, I want. It's mine. I've, I've stopped interacting with the Holy Spirit, who is God's presence in me the creator resident in me and i've started interacting with a genie in a bottle and you know maybe if i can get some kind of special prayer promises or say it a certain way or listen to this guy's tape series or cd series and rub the genie bottle differently then i can manipulate god into doing what i want see whenever it's all about me and what i want what that means is it is in the flesh so i think if we flip that around so what then is praying in the spirit Flip over to Romans chapter 8. I want you to see it. I know we've been in Romans 8 every week. Well, maybe we'll continue. I don't know. There's a lot of great stuff on the Spirit-filled life in Romans 8. Okay? Romans 8, verse 22. Listen to what he says. Paul writes, he says, We know the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we... Wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Do you know what that's talking about? you know what that groaning is like? Um, you watch the news over the last few months and found yourself going, what is going on? God, help us. What's happening in this world of ours? That sense of, God, this isn't what you created us for. God, this is not your design. That, that groaning, that's what he's talking about. That sense of we have the Spirit. I know God has something different, but yet here's what I'm watching happen right in front of me. What's going on in the world around us? That's the groaning he's talking about. Verse 24, he says, For in this hope we were saved. Hope that there's something different, something more.
2: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Spirit-Filled Prayer, it's available right now on demand when you find the sermon series